Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Uncomfortable In-House Conversations with HB. Uh, today is going to be a, a great episode. I told y'all, you know, at first it was, you know, I started out light. Um, the more we go into these episodes, it's going to, you know, go a little deep and a little darker, and it's going to get real uncomfortable. Um, I have a special guest, Miss Tara Denise. Hello, everyone. Uh, she's a mental health advocate. And also, uh, you know, in the ministry, I, you know, good friend of mine, I appreciate her coming in and, uh, you know, she can share her story a little bit. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, Tara. Thank you for such a warm welcome. Hey, everybody. I am Tara Denise. As he said, I am a mental health advocate. I'm not licensed. I'm not a professional. So if you want some advice, I might not be the best person to go to. However, I am very experienced in the area of mental health and anytime there's an opportunity to speak on it or share my story, I do not mind. Um, I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. I've lived down here in South Florida for nine years and I just appreciate the opportunity to come on here and just be Tara. Great, great, thank you, I appreciate that. So so first I would like to say, you know, um, Everything in life, the way I look at it, I always say it's a maturation process. And, you know, for me, uh, life experience always trumps any kind of degrees, um, any, anything. You know, um, one, of, one of my favorite celebrities, Mike Tyson, his, um, one of his quotes is, everybody got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and uh, That's real. That's real. <laughs> yeah, and I love saying that because... Um, for me, I, you know, I'm learning that we all go through trials and tribulations, maybe earlier in life, um, middle, you know, um, I wasn't expecting myself to go through things that I went through, you know, uh, later on. So tell me a little bit about your, you know, your experience and how you got to the, got to the point where you are now. Well, I really like the way that you said that, um, when you say you don't necessarily need a degree, a lot of it is life experiences. That lets me know that this platform allows me to be free in telling my story. And even though, um, like I mentioned before, I may not be a healthcare professional, uh, I do want to say that uh, for some of us, it is extremely necessary to link up with or find a professional when it starts to get you know beyond our control but for me personally a lot of it was just life experiences early on i did need to seek out the help of a professional um actually i was forced to because um i found myself in a, a mental health ward okay, uh, okay so i mean that's that was much later but okay, leading so, up to that, yeah. I wasn't even aware that I had issues with mental health. Nobody talked to me about it. I wasn't aware of it. And so it's my lack of knowledge that led me to having to be in the situation where I was admitted. Okay, so I want to pause right there because I want to I want to soak this in. Um, because here, here's the thing. Um, also what I'm learning, part of our not stupidity, but our, our ignorance. Uh, when we use the word or we think crazy, you know, mental health, we picture the worst the worst possible scenario. Somebody on the street, begging for money, talking to itself. We look and we make that a thing. Um, I'm, for me, I'm learning that 
a lot of that is a culture thing, um, which I want to try to work on because it's a lot of things that we grew up um, learning and, you know, not to, and also at the same time, not to pick or blame my parents. I, I, I have to understand that we have to give them grace because some of our parents, they didn't know until they know, just like us, you know, you, you, you get into a situation and you just have to figure it out. Right, right. Um, I learned to one of the things that us, you know, in our culture, a lot of us, instead of going to get help, um, and there's nothing wrong with it, but again, when you have a heart problem, you go see a, a cardiologist, mm-hmm. you know, when, you know, something wrong with your head, you know, you go see the doctor, they, they run an MRI. When, you know, different things for, you know, different spaces, when we, you visibly see something is going on with a person, mentally, mm-hmm. emotional, and a lot of times we go, it, it starts from traumatic experience. Um, every day, you know, um, I say, and in, and instead of we going to, especially at the time we were growing up, instead of us saying, okay, maybe we need to go see a counselor, see somebody, we run to the church. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's kind of like, we just let's just pray about it. And again, I'm going to say, I'm not, I'm not, I believe in God and I believe in the word. Right. But, you know, so, but I'm not holier than thou or anything. Sometimes, you know, some of my cousins, he picks up me all the time. It's like, <laughs> like, nigga, you know, why you act like this? You know, but for me, again, give me some time. It's my maturation process. But again, they say, you know, faith without works is dead. But no, man. So, you know, a lot of times we, you, you pray and we pray and, you know, God might be like, okay, but what you doing? You understand what I'm saying? And sometimes, you know, I use the word Groundhog's Day. We keep doing the same thing until something changes. And, you know, sometimes it has to. And then, too, unfortunately, you know, when we do get to a point to fix it, it might be the worst time possible, yeah. you know, in a situation. So, you know, at this time, walk me through whatever, you know, because I don't know me and you ain't talk about it. Right. Um, was it trauma? How did it start? And when did you notice well, you, you just said a lot of powerful things that can kind of become the lead into my story. Um, I do want to highlight once again just how great I think that this platform is because you are helping our community. You are helping our culture Thank who you. typically we don't or we're not readily told or it's not readily available how we address the issue of mental health because we just don't typically talk about it. However, when people know that they can come to a platform like this and, you know, discover some like-mindedness or discover some similarities of what they're going through, it helps the community. Um, So for me, I really sometimes used to be embarrassed when I told my story because on the outside looking in, honestly, people would be like, girl, what did you have to complain about? What did you have to go through any type of mental health issues when you had the household like you did? I have two wonderful parents. I will repeat that. I have two 
wonderful parents. My issue to One not drag two parent households. Two parent households. <laughs> father that was actively involved in my life. Father that constantly affirmed me and my sisters. So I and I'm not saying this to brag. I just have to make no, it very okay. clear. I, no, because too uh, too many times we we hear that that's lacking, and that can sometimes be the precursor into why. We have mental health challenges. I was the opposite. I didn't go through any of that. My issue, to hurry my story along, my issue was time. simply that I did not know how to be me. So I felt like I was trapped in a lifestyle that did not fit with what was going on in my brain. So the family that I came from was a very conservative church household. My household was so churchy. My dad was the pastor, the head lead pastor. And we went to church when I tell you every single day of the week. I'm not exaggerating. Every single day of a seven day week, we were at church for something. And so I kind of was birthed into this lifestyle and mindset that I was supposed to operate like you do in the Christian lifestyle. And just because I was born into it and just because it was getting spoon fed to me, I still had these desires within that to me were far beyond just curiosity. This is who I am and it doesn't line up with what I'm told to be or who I'm told to be. So you thought she was going to hell after <laughs> Well, it was actually a scary thing. Like I can laugh at it now, but to be growing up and being told that being this way, you're going to go to hell. And knowing, okay, well then I'll just pretend like I'm like everybody else so that I won't go to hell. Mm -hmm. It will cause you to have a nervous breakdown because you can only pretend for so long. So I grew up pretending to be who people expected me to be because of who my father was without realizing at some point you have to be real with who you are. And me being, and then it got to a point where I didn't even know who I was. So I felt like I was losing my mind. Okay, so... Uh, again, interject. Um, I love this. Everything what you said. So, so here's a little bit of my background. Exact same thing, but it's a little different. I grew up in a Jehovah's Witness. Oh wow! So here's the thing. Like you being the good girl, the good person, and you don't want to disappoint your parents and all of that. I'm supposed there. to be the good. No, girl. no, no. Hold on. So, so here. With me, I was the total opposite. Mm. I was the rebellion. So, literally, you know how, you know, I make the joke. You know how the kids, the people come knock on your door? Mm-hmm. So, for me, I got an attitude. I'm aggravated. So, one day, my mom got me up early in the morning. She's like, come on, we're going to go to the field. If you can't go. So, this is what they do. You want to play basketball? You got to do this. Okay, fine. So I get up early in the morning, knock on the door. My mom, her friend, they're, hey, da 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 da. So it was this little girl. She came out from around and she was like, you know, talking. So the little girl looked at me surprised. So my mom said, hey, how you doing? You know my, you know my son? So the little girl said, he can't be no Jehovah Witness. You understand what I'm saying? So I said, so I'm looking crazy. My mama was like, well, well why not? Mm-mm. So she right, so she looking at my, so she's looking at her mom like, mama, uh-uh, close the door. Like, so my mom was like so embarrassed. 
And so here's the thing about, you know, again, I. It, and like, like, how old were you? I was like 11. Wow. So, so here's the funny and thing. And the fact that you can recall that story so vividly, that left a mark in your mind. Like, yeah. you remember that. So, so, so for me, here's the thing. I remember coming in, and as I'm coming in, my mom, and this goes for all people that go to church, no matter what denomination you are. Mm-hmm. Um, when they, you know, my thing is, I love spiritual people, but I hate church people. So we walking away, and my mom grabbed my arm, and was like, I said, beat your motherfucking ass. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at her like, Again, making her look bad. But listen, and her witness. But hold on, bad. here's my thing, mom. But we are here. You cursing at me? <laughs> you understand? Ah, so, uh, so I listen. So everything that you're saying, I was like the total like, <laughs> like literally. My mom them used to be like, we can't celebrate. Duh, duh, duh. Okay, but can I get a gift though? Yeah, or, I get it. or, like, literally, I remember we would be sitting and, you know, they were having the thing and they were, you know, one of the things about Jehovah and Mr. Mantra, they were saying, like, yo, listen, you know, um, there's certain things, you you know, you shouldn't, with worldly people, they're, you know, you don't want to have sex before marriage. And I was like, I like sex. They <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so, you know, again, I didn't mean to interrupt. It was just funny. No, just, you know, just say you. Just they take can't it, handle it, the it, truth. So I think for me, I have always one thing I can say, you know, I, I hang my hat on. I always been me and comf- comfortable with who I am. Um, but I felt like moving forward now, it things that happen, you know, we'll go into all that, which because I was just the reason why I use trauma that got me to a point where I, I realized that I was having mental health issues. And up until this point, the confident person that I was because of that trauma, it's a lot of things now that bother me, that upset me. And like later on after we, you know, as you're talking, I am going to just tell you a story with co- coincidentally that just happened to me today. And I was, you know, just having this conversation and I was just like, I was mad at myself because, like, why do you care? But we'll go into it later. But, but go ahead, finish up. Yeah, so that that's what was happening to me in terms of living a lifestyle that was expected of me, but not feeling the lifestyle in terms of this is who I am. Okay. So I never felt like Tara could be Tara. I never had a this is just who I am type of moment. I always felt like I had to fake the funk to make it. It just became embedded in my mind because I had done it for so long. So as I got into, I, I ended up um, going into the Air Force. I'm a military girl. Thank you so, for your services. I appreciate the acknowledgement. <laughs> so once I got into the military, that was my first time on my own. Nobody making me go to church. Nobody making me, you know, looking over my shoulder, making sure Tara's acting right. The the city that I grew up in, Cincinnati, Ohio, my daddy, my dad was pretty influential in that city. So okay. there was very little places that I could go to that people didn't know that okay. I was Dr. Bird's daughter. Gotcha. And Dr. Bird's name carried a lot of respect. Okay. So Tara could just be the typical 14, 15, 16 year old girl getting in trouble 
it came with a lot of weight because I'm just not the average 14, 15 year old girl hanging out with her friends. I'm Dr. Bird's daughter and right. I can't make Dr. Bird look bad. Right. So now I'm in the military. I'm 18 years old on my own. And that was a lot for me because I had to figure out, well, who am I now? Mm-hmm. You know, inside, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. But I was still just so that that person or this identity was so embedded in my mind that I still had to maintain a certain decorum because of who I was, which in essence, now that I look back on it, is kind of good, you know, because you it that helped gr- me you need still that have that structure. Right, you need ground. Right, so foundation. I could look at it now and say that it was foundation, but what ended up happening is I ended up linking back to my roots and the man that I married he ended up being the pastor of the church that I grew up in. So my dad left. Double, double stuff. I know. Go ahead. And so my dad left that church, moved, and the man that they called the pastor after my dad left, I would still go home to visit. That's who I ended up marrying. Okay, gotcha. And so I went from being a pastor's daughter to now a first lady. So now I'm an adult woman mm-hmm. having to maintain a certain decorum and having to maintain a certain you know, just oomph about her because of the name I carried, which was his name now. So again, if I would have known then what I know now, I just went from one struggle to another struggle because I already was struggling with the identity of being Tara, Dr. Bird's daughter, to now Tara, Bishop Cousin's wife. And keep in mind, I'm only 21 at this time. And so it's still just trying, exactly, the things that I was wanting to do at 21, but again, just running from who I really am at my core. So anyway, again, just rushing the story along, all of this led up to me. church, take your time. Take your time. All of this really essentially led up to me just really not knowing who I was and having a complete identity crisis because that marriage didn't last. Okay. And once I lost that marriage, I lost the identity that came with that marriage. That's who you are. Okay. Exactly. And not only did I change who I was as a result of being married to a pastor, I became what I thought he wanted me to be, which is another thing. Women, if you're young, in a marriage, thinking Oof. about getting married, you cannot lose who you are caught up in a man because if anything happens... You're going to look in the mirror and not even recognize yourself anymore. I didn't know who this girl was because I had become so much of who of who he wanted me to be. And then he gone now, moved on with somebody else, and I'm left not understanding who I am. You know, part of that, um, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, one of the things, I, I'm trying my best, you know, talk to my daughters um, and to let them know because that's another thing, you know, um, when I say maturation process, it's also due to, you know, again, my father. I don't, my, again, parents, at that time, my dad was a great provider. Right. But he didn't know how to be that nurturer. And other than, other than, let's see what the Bible talks about. Do you and, think, oh, do you think that he's supposed to be that nurturer that you're looking for? So I'm going to say this. I take different parts of what I, what I grew up with mm-hmm. um, and I appreciate. So, for instance, like I said, when I said my dad, and again, I, ha- I have three sisters. Okay. 
So from their perspective, and that's why when I say we have to learn to give grace. So again, we go back to, you know, back that, you know, in that time, it's kind of like, this is all what I got to be to provide. I got to do this. I got to do that. Right. And when you come with certain conversations, that's uncomfortable. A lot of times, even with my dad, he'll be like, well, let's say, see what the Bible says. My thing was, I always shoot from the hip. I get what you're saying, but I want to know how you feel. Mm. I need, at this moment, I need my dad. Mm. Because there's nothing better than life experiences. So, even when my last podcast, when I was talking to my son, yeah, when you get older, you know the difference between right or wrong. My conversations be straight from the hip. And I want to be able to do that with my daughter because here's the thing. I tell people all the time, you know, a lot of my lady friends, here's the thing. The reason why women become very upset and very mental and very angry and very bitter, part of what you just said is because I become this person. I Whatever he is, I become him, right? And it's not that. The truth of the matter is women make so many concessions for men. Women make concessions for men. Think about it. We don't make concessions. This is pretty much who we are. So when I was early, when I said, we look at women, when we date somebody, we accept you for who you are right now at this time. A lot of the issues is a lot of women look at men and say, I see the potential in him. Mm -hmm. And I see what he can be. And I see glimpses of it. And I just want you to be that person. And do whatever he's going through. Because again, I'm learning a lot of young men and this is something that part of the mental health that I'm learning a lot of young men because they only have one parent that identity crisis they don't even know who they are that's a good point so a lot of men come up and they provide just like these rappers they're a character Mm -hmm. you understand what I'm saying Mm -hmm. I'm being who my mama told me I should be because my daddy wasn't here, right. so I'm going to be, my mama want to make sure that I'm going to be better yeah, than yeah. him. That's good, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So you come along, and he's just trying to figure it out. He's, you thinking, again, if I do this, 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 that, and then you're getting upset, and you're so upset, and you're like, I do this, I do that, I do that, and not understanding, he don't even know what the hell he won't or who he is as a person as a as an individual mm-hmm. you understand what i'm saying That's so true. because like you know again back to what you're saying it's like now i gotta take on this other and then again for you it was familiar mm-hmm. it was familiar it was easy and you water yourself down and you say okay i can do this i can you know i can do this you know think about it you see married you see married people so you see the woman I gotta lose weight. My husband has a problem with my weight. Da, da, da. But his fat ass, barely. But that, yeah, but that's, that's why I say not to cut you no, off. But ahead. it's important that I kind of stick a pin on what you're saying because all of what you're saying is key and is vital for both men and women. Right. But the real part that a lot of us miss that must happen before we get to a place where we realize everything that you just said is, which is what I advocate as well. The self-acceptance that has to come into play before you start to realize these other factors that are making you into the man and woman that you are. Because 
there was nothing i don't want to say there's nothing wrong with it but as women we're natural nurturers we're you naturally going to look at a man as no disrespect men but as projects i want to take care of him i want to give him what he needs i want to be the one to pour into him but what we fail to do is talk to ourselves first and say i can't give him what he needs I can't pour into him. I can't speak to the places where he hurts if I have not first given myself what I need, spoken to myself, and healed myself to a place where I'm ready to give that to someone else. Because what ends up happening is we give, which is what happened to me, give so much of ourselves to an individual when they're not permanent. Right. And when they leave, it took a piece of me with it. It took so much of me that I didn't even want to be on this earth anymore. If women, if you ever let a man get you to a point where his absence makes you question whether or not you want to be on this earth, run. Run quickly. Not because he's doing anything wrong, because it's you. You're the problem. I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way, but that shows your lack of self-love that is going to be vital in your ability to love somebody else. I am, I appreciate that. You know, and, and it's so much easier coming from a, a, a woman. And another thing, you know, about our culture, uh, what, I, what I dislike, one of the things that I didn't want to do when I was thinking about doing this podcast, um, one of the, for my integrity is the fine line, I don't want to do the woman wrong, yeah, huh. man right, man oh, I right. I love those I, conversations. I, I, you know, I for me, I want to have a conversation if it's going to be productive. It's going to be productive, and we come and and I'm under and for me, a lot of people, women and men, when I watch on social media. They're not ready to receive the truth. But that's the hurt talking. So you have a lot of people having conversations in that realm when you, like, let's say we're having a man mm. versus women conversation. Right. If I have not healed properly, you become every man in my eyes. So the venom that I spit is not even about you anymore. It's about that hurt that's not healed and you the same for women. The reason why I avoid those conversations or if I do have them, I always preface it by saying, I ain't never been no man. So who am I to say how a man should act, well, how a man should talk, how a man church. should... I don't know because I've never been in your shoes. Right. And that's why a lot of times when I listen to men speak on women, it just frustrates me because it, it said, when, when have you walked a day right. as being a woman, no disrespect, but a black woman at that, and until you have done that, it's hard for me to even digest what a man has to say if he initially starts off his argument or his point with telling me about a woman. Great, great, great. So, now let's segue to getting deeper to what happened to you. So, um, like I said, we ended up getting a divorce. The marriage wasn't horrible. What happened in the marriage is that neither one of us was ready for the spouse that we were. So I'm not saying that I wasn't ready to get married. I wasn't ready to get married to a man like him. I'm not saying he wasn't ready to get married, but he wasn't ready to get married to a woman like me. We just were not compatible in the sense of where we were in life. 
And here we are coming into holy matrimony, trying to build from that place, and it just wasn't working. Okay. And one of us was going to have to kind of bend for the other. And in marriage, that should be easy. A lot of marriage, a big chunk of marriage is sacrifice. And the price of sacrifice in both of our eyes was way too much. So we were like, we, I'm not about to come this man that she wants me to be. And I'm like, I'm not to become this woman that he want me to be. It ain't going to work. And now we cool once right. we realize that. But so anyway, um, so what happened was we ended up getting a divorce. And honestly, if I would have allowed us to get a divorce and move on, I, w- I probably would have been fine. It would have hurt. I would have had to go through some time of healing. But my Band-Aid was still operating as his wife even after the divorce happened. Because, yes, I was happy that we had kind of um, got some closure. Okay. And we weren't married anymore. I didn't have to worry about certain, um, the criteria of being a wife anymore. I didn't have to live and abide by that. However, because we had children together, there was a lifestyle that I wasn't really ready to let go, and he didn't force me to let go. So he traveled a lot. So when he would go away and travel, I would still remain at the house and just operate with our kids and life like everything was normal. So that can only go on for so long. He, He, as a single man, should be able to do, started another relationship. And he is. And he did. And he did. And, and he, he has every right to. Right. But I just was not ready. Um, if you, if you, and I know we talked about this earlier, if you've been through a divorce, whether or not you're happy about it, whether or not it bothers you, divorce is like a death. And at some point, damn. at some Listen. point, you really Oof. mourn the ending of whatever. I can't speak for everybody it, it, else, no, but there's like something like that you are going to eventually mourn because the process of divorce is very, very painful when you really do it the right way, meaning cut it all off. So right. you have entered at some point. You and this individual thought that you all wanted to spend your life together. Listen. So when the reality sets in that that's not going to happen. That's like a death. And I mourned that. I I take that as, I'm not going to get into my situation, but I'm going to say this. I make a joke about it. Uh, remember, watch everybody watch Color Purple. Mm-hmm. So remember at that time when, you know, City was reading the letter, mm-hmm. and she was like, so Paul ain't Paul? <laughs> <laughs> like... For me, again, we both, you know, went through, grew up in a two-parent household. So, for me, when I said marriage was very, very serious, when I decided to get married, I looked at it as to death do us part. Mm-hmm. Rich or poor, sickness and health, I was like, I was pretty much prepared for whatever because I've seen... In every instance of my parents' marriage, mm-hmm. you understand what I'm saying? Um, to go through. So for me, I knew. You know, my dad told, you know, one time I'm arguing and I came to my house and he was like, What you doing here? And I was like, Man, she gonna, he was like, Man, take your ass home. You understand yep. what I'm saying? What like, again, yep. figure it out. Yeah. Um, and when that happened for me, I didn't know what to do on because it felt like two deaths. Mm. 
because my mother had just passed away. Oh, wow. So my mother just had passed away. So I'm dealing with that. Mm. And then the person, and, and you know, for my words, lack of a better term, I'm thinking that, bitch, I run through fire for it. Yeah. And you just basically said, nigga, I right, give up. Like, I'm out. Exactly. Like, I, you're looking like, again, what the <laughs> fuck do I do? Like, what, the word comes from Like, it? you could literally be praying for the day mm-hmm. that the divorce is final. But when it literally happens, right. it's like a death. Like, it doesn't feel good. So when I find, like I said, we got our divorce in 2010, but I actually didn't mourn my divorce and go through the motions of my divorce until 2012, because that's when it actually started to be, we have to go our separate ways. Like there's a new lady in his life and it ain't me. So, and he never disrespected me. I'm still the mother of his children. And as he always says, we built a life together. So I'm always going to respect level of respect. you. We're yeah. family. At the end of the day, we're family. And that's what gotcha. we call each other now. However, at that time, I just knew that I definitely was not a part of the equation anymore in terms of a life with him. You had to And I started yeah. to mourn that. So um, I've never been a super emotional person. Just never really, you know, yeah, oh, you'll never catch me like crying like that or anything. So when I started to really mourn my divorce, it didn't come out in a typical way where, you know, I cried to my best friend, where I, you know, pulled out my journal, where I went to any type of, you know, grief classes or anything. I just held it in. And one day, I tell this story a lot, uh, my kids spent a lot of time with him because Mm -hmm. daddy's house was like Disney World. Mama was living in the projects at the gotcha, time. Gotcha. Ain't nothing wrong with it, Ain't but with it kids all. liked having the TV in their room, the PlayStation, mm-hmm. the big backyard with the swimming pool. Um, so they stayed over his house a lot. So I remember one morning, kids weren't there. Um, I typically, you know, don't listen to the radio. I like silence. So it wasn't abnormal for it to be silent when I woke up, got ready for work, got in my car. I just hadn't talked to anybody that day. And my job required me to be on the phones. And we had a certain script or greeting that we had to say on the phone every morning. And all I know is I put my headset on, got ready to read my script. And I think the script was, good morning, scheduling center. This is Tara. How can I help you? And all I know is I said, good I just started screaming. Like the minute I opened my mouth, I could not get that script out. It was just yelling, yelling. <laughs> and breathing and shaking every to where people was like circling around me it was like I was having a seizure I just did not know what came over me but I couldn't stop it right it was as if my emotions said no we have to go somewhere you have bottled us in and we have to go somewhere right and so, believe it or not, I still believe it was the Lord it that um, positioned a lady there. I had never seen this lady in my life, but apparently she was a high ranking on a leadership team that just happened to be in our department that day. Mm-hmm. She knew exactly what to do. I don't know if she's ever been through it. I don't know if she was just familiar with um, a nervous breakdown, but she literally said everything that I needed to hear to at least get me to a point where people could talk to me and I could get to a calm place. But she told someone to take me to the hospital right away. They knew I was a veteran. Right. So there was a VA medical center close by. So that's where they took me. Okay. And, you know, they give you like a whole questionnaire. And I believe that the question that got me admitted was, was I suicidal? 
And I always tell people I wasn't suicidal. I never wanted to take my life. What I wanted to do was take my kids and nobody knew where we were. And in doing that, you can only go so far. You don't know no what's going No, I don't know. Right. I have no way to yeah. take care of them. Like, nigga, but I'm taking my like, kids and we have. Like, exactly. Yeah. So in saying it's like, no, I'm not going to kill myself. Yeah. But give me my kids and we out of here. Where are you going to? I don't know. Right. If we starve, we starve. <laughs> if we, but we're going to be together. So obviously that was enough for them to say. You know, we we gonna we gonna keep her here and okay. don't let her around her kids. Right. So. Okay. Okay. So. Got to admit it. Mhm. Cause I'm gonna get deep. Okay. I know. I so I'm gonna say this. I you know I'm not gonna put it. I I have a family member that I you know we have done that. Um. Um. And at one point I'm gonna say this. Uh, one day I was. Again, I was driving, and me, I had my daughter in the car, mm-hmm. and I was driving, and I don't know, like you said, it something just came over me, and I was just crying, and I was just crying, I was just crying, and I just pulled over, so I pulled over, and I'm just sitting there crying, and police came and pulled behind me, and just like you just said, it had, to, like I'm gonna say it was, it was God. Mm-hmm. Police came, tapped on the window. I'm still crying. I rolled the window down a little bit. Um, he asked me, uh, can I speak to He says, that's your daughter. And I'm crying. I'm not here. So he said, can I at least speak to her? Mm. He rolled the window down. And uh, he said, um, hey, sweetie. Hey, how you doing? And, you know, at first she didn't say anything. And uh, he said, um, are, you know, are you okay? And she said, my daddy's just sad. And he says, okay, you know, whatever. So, you know, took some, you know, measures, called some people, they came. Um, And then from that point, as a black man, I go from that because I'm feeling like weak, um, embarrassed in front of my daughter. And then I automatically kick in, and this is something that I want us to, um, just as a culture, as black men, um, to address. I got angry because I said, you put your daughter in a situation because what if that police, because then this was the highlight of police killing black black people. So the only thing I could think was, what if this was not a good cop? Mm. What if he wasn't friendly? What if, again, I'm in a, in a situation and he's scared or he's, you know, and I'm not in the right mindset. He and I easily say, flip that narrative. And, right, and I was so angry mm-hmm. at myself. So when I had to go see, you know, the therapist, I was scared because I'm like, I'm back and forth. Like, I was sweating and I was going to leave like three times. Mm-hmm. And sat down, she just looked at me and I'm looking at her and I'm looking at her, she's looking at me, and she's like, you know, it's up to you, you know, how you feel. And I just, again, just broke down again, and I just started talking, and she said to me, well, here's the thing. One of the things I can't say, this is kind of easy. Um, I was like, easy. She says, because you, you are expressive. And you can articulate your feelings. 
a lot of people I got to pull, you know, and a lot of, you know, like I said, coming up, don't, you know, like I said, was for me, I was always honest about how I felt, who I was, even if it made people uncomfortable. You know, my mom sometimes would be like, talk too goddamn <laughs> like I want you to tell the truth but damn like right. I didn't ha- I don't have a filter mm. so um because I want to be heard yeah you know because for me what's your sign I'm a Taurus okay that makes sense that yeah makes sense. so you know for me growing up I had a big family but uh I was shipped from different family members mm. all the time um and for me like Again, I got different perspectives. You know what I mean? And like I said, it was just different. And my thing, again, for us as black men, we don't get to, who do we call and cry? You know, your friends, you call your friends. Even if anybody, you can go to your mama, you can cry. I didn't know, like, up until now, I must say, you know, my two best friends, like, I've learned, like, I can talk to them. But before, like, who the hell I can talk to? Like, I remember one time, you know, going through whatever, and I had an uncle. I had just crashed my 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 my, my, my dad's old, my mom, it was my mom's car. And it literally was an accident, and I already felt bad. And it was like, I remember him saying something to me, like, you know, you got to change your life, you got to get better. And I'm like, motherfucker, I'm not doing nothing wrong. Like... I'm going through something. Like, where where is it where as 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 a family member or uncle or father or you know what I'm saying, just say, hey, talk to me, what's wrong? And the, and for me, that's a little bit where I'm trying to change for me to talk to my sons, my nephews. Like, I wanna be able to see past instead of judging. Because sometimes what I'm learning our family, we forget. We, we forget we was there or maybe close or maybe we even did, you know, things worse than that. So for me at that point when you were in there, like, was it scary? And then from there, what steps did you do to get to you to the point where you are now today? You know what's interesting? We so connected because you keep giving lead ins to pretty much answer what you're asking me. But you know what's interesting? when i was in there so they immediately the lady that that drove me there she was already in uh, communication with my mom my parents were already living down here in south florida i was still in ohio so the lady was already in communication with my mother and my mother being the nurturing mother that she is oh is everything she knew nothing about what was going on with me emotionally right. is everything okay tara what's going on da, 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 da. so she was very very much concerned that night, I had the opportunity to talk to my father, a black man mm-hmm. who only has daughters, and he did not know how to handle it. He literally came at me similar to the way that you're saying that your uncle kind of came at you. Right. It, I'm still his daughter, so right. it wasn't earned behind it, but it was, what are you doing? Right. What what are you doing because there? Because for them, they're and scared. And he could not wrap his mind around. What yeah. do you mean you had a nervous breakdown? Like, but he said something that was literally life changing for me that I still use to this day. And so I'm trying to explain to him how you know I don't know, Daddy. I don't know how I got it. It's her. nothing personal against yeah. you. You didn't do anything wrong. But I needed him to be that way because he said, "Do you know 
where you come from. He started to share with me the history of my grandmother who experienced mental illness herself. Listen, wow. And my aunt who Mm -hmm. experienced mental illness themselves, Mm -hmm. but what they have gone through to overcome these things. And he said the same blood that goes through their veins, it's in you. And so he began to speak to me, not where I was, but where I'm supposed to be and where I'm going. Okay. He says, you're going to get through this. We got to start talking to you as if you're already getting through this. And that's really what helped me because it also concerned me that I couldn't even identify where the problem was. Right. So I literally had to find out what is my issue in order to correct it. And I said, you know, I don't even know what it is. So he said, well, that's what you need to be figuring out. What what got you here? Right. And that's when I literally start replaying my life backwards Uh to find out what decision caused, what decision caused, what decision caused, what decision until I got to the root. And the root was where we started this podcast was my inability to really be who I wanted to be freely. I've never freely just been able to be Tara. So I continue to become who I thought people wanted me to be. And that's what kind of was my wake up moment. And that's what has led me into becoming the woman that I am now. Oh man, Tara, I, listen, I'm going to say this. I really appreciate this. Um, And talking to you, even myself is scary because um, learning so, so much, you know, um, and you know, unfortunately, we got to wrap it up and go over here to the Q and A. You know, gonna talk to the you know the Facebook clan um, again. Hopefully, we're gonna we're gonna have a part two of this because this is good. I'm gonna have a brother, another dude here, another sister here, and it's just gonna one of them. We're gonna we're gonna get deep. Sounds good. So again, I appreciate you, and uh, we're gonna go from here. And uh, Again, I hope you guys enjoyed this show, and I hope you got something out of it. You guys have a great night. Thank you. Yeah, so closing out again, man, I really appreciate my special guest, uh, Tara Denise. Um, with the mental health, especially coming from the perspective of, you know, from a woman. Um, I also would like to, you know, again, thank the get, you know, everybody, you know, tuning in um, into our uncomfortable um, in-house conversations with me. I'm going to leave you again with one of my HBisms, and that is this time is the moment that I need you to validate who I am is the moment when I am lost. Thank you guys, and you have a good night.